Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So thankful that you're listening to the broadcast today. And I want to let you know that you can also listen to us on a podcast. And if you will Google in www.buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557. You will see Hope for Your Heart there and you can listen to this broadcast. And uh, we are so glad that we're able to get it out through the radio, through podcasts. You can also listen to our Sunday messages through our website if you go to hrcc7.org and you just click on Listen Online. Every Sunday, we have the 1030 service online. So we'd love to have you come and join us for that. Well, today I want to talk to you about a very important subject, and I've entitled the message today, Enslaved by Legalism or Freed by Christ? You see, really, the choice is yours. But before we dive into the message, those of you who listen to me are very well aware of what is happening to our brothers and sisters in Christ over in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, there's a pastor over there that reported uh, his fellow Ukrainian brothers and sisters in faith, they have felt the power of prayers. Amidst the terrors of this war, uh, the Ukrainian believers are strong. They are united. They believe that God is helping them in really strange ways. And strange things are happening in their midst. And and, uh, matter of fact, they're reporting that quite a number of soldiers, Ukrainian soldiers, are saying that strange things keep happening. Uh, you They're out there and they're saying that, that we're seeing things at night that we don't normally see, things that are saving them. And one soldier continued, he says, it seems like some bullets are just passing us by instead of hitting us and uh, they're just passing over us. So God is protecting uh, some of the believers there. And I was also listening to a report uh, that was given by a prison ministry. And there is a worldwide prison ministry, and it's a great ministry called Good News Jail and Prison Ministry. And, and I didn't realize that they were uh, actually a worldwide ministry, and uh, they actually have three chaplains. They're in Ukraine, three prison chaplains. And unfortunately, because of the war, they can't get into the prison, but they do want us to pray and pray fervently. And they told the report of a, of a prison that has a thousand inmates, and uh, they've taken all the guards and put them into the war effort. And uh, there's only th- uh, four guards that are protecting a thousand inmates and uh, protecting them from themselves and protecting them from escape. And uh, and so I can't imagine trying to manage something like that. Uh, so we do want to pray for them. The chaplains are praying that they can get back into the institution. And uh, and their argument is that we can help you maintain peace. And uh, right now there's peace in the prison for the moment, but hopelessness is growing. And so the chaplains are pleading, just pleading with the authorities so that they can get back into uh, the into the jails and back into the prisons and bring the hope of the gospel. So we uh, join them in praying for this situation. I guess you could say this is our call to pray for those who are in this very difficult situation. Well, let's talk about legalism versus being a follower of Christ, being a slave to legalism or a slave to Christ. There was an interview that was done with Preaching Magazine, and uh, in this particular interview, it was uh, written by author Haddon Robinson, and he warns against the dangers of legalism. And he says this, when an abstract concept says, for example, you shall honor your father and your mother, 
it's clear that what you're supposed to do, but then apply it to my aging parents. When my father came to live with us, he lost touch with reality. We had to put him into a nursing home. He said, I hated to do it because he didn't like to be there. But when my wife's mother came to the end of her life, we kept her in our home. My wife took care of her. It is very easy to come to the conclusion that if you're going to honor your parents, then you must keep them in your home when they get old. But there is a totally different situation. Our kids were grown when Bonnie's mother was ill. In both cases, I was trying to honor my parents. Legalism is when the application of a principle is given all the force of the principle itself. You see, God has given us wisdom. God has given us His Word. Legalism can turn into a deadly trap. You know, when you think about legalism and you think about how we can easily get trapped into it, you know, I think there's four ways in which we can know that we are freed. In Christ, when He came, He says, I have come to set you free. And when you're set free, you'll be free indeed. So there's four ways that we know that we are freed by Christ. And there's four reasons that we celebrate this freedom and we celebrate through the Lord's table. Joy is like that hidden note in a glass. Joy is turning into what God is doing around you, seeing the world through His eyes, picking up His delight in us as His children. Anyone can find happiness for a while. Happiness depends on what is happening to you. Joy is different. Joy goes deeper. Joy is when you see the whole being and you sing because you have caught a glimpse of God at work. Joy can creep in on you and surprise you in unexpected places. I'm last, you're second, but Jesus is first. Well, let's look at these ways that we can know that we are free in Christ, looking at Galatians chapter 5. Verses 1 through 4. So Christ has truly set you free. Now make sure, and this is emphatic, right? Make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again into slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. He said, I'm going to say that one again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Paul's saying, you want to go down that path? Then you've got to go all the way down that path. Verse number four, he says, For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Now, as we look at this, we can see that we can't bribe God for blessings. As we look at verses 2 and 3, for example, Paul says, Now I say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you, or Christ will profit you nothing. I testify again to every man that receives circumcision that he is bound to keep the whole law, literally that he is a debtor to the whole law. So a reader Uh, who is reading this is totally insensitive to all that has gone before in the book of Galatians might say, well, that's easy, Paul. Paul says circumcision is wrong and displeases God and, and not circumcision is right and pleases God. So the point is, do you want to please God 
you must avoid circumcision at all costs. But that's not what Paul is really saying. Paul is saying, if I am depending upon circumcision to make me right with God, I am depending upon the law. I am trying to earn my salvation by an act of the flesh. And he says, I'm really a slave to the flesh. You see, the key to freedom is understanding that we can escape the punishment of God, not based upon what we do, but believing what Christ has done for us. A New York magazine interviewed several inmates and asked them to describe their first hours or their first day of freedom. Now, these men had been wrongly convicted, but their first taste of freedom is no different than that of the guilty or even those who have been forgiven by Christ. Uh, So here's one of the guys that spent 16 years in prison. His first name is Jeffrey. I'll just give you his first name. He was freed on September 20, 2006. This is what he says. At times, I wasn't quite sure whether I was really free or not. I felt like a finger was tapping me on the back and saying, what are you doing? They belong out there, but you don't. They don't really realize that you don't. So I just did something that I wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to sit outside at nighttime and not have to go inside. I could see a few stars and I could see lights coming on the other houses. It was just a minor thing that I had taken from me, but now I was free. There's another guy by the name of Fernando. He was 46 years old. He spent 18 years in prison. Uh, He was freed on November 20, 2009. He said, the first thing I did is I went running into the park where I had all of these childhood memories of wanting to be a geologist. I used to pick up rocks and collect insects before I became uh, less of a nerd and, and more of a person of trouble. I'm coming off my run and I'm doing something that I had sorely missed. I'm looking at a tree and I'm just admiring it. I had been deprived of nature for so long, I finally got to feel the bark of a tree. I was there enjoying God's creation. Another guy, Derek Hamilton, age 49, spent 21 years in prison. He was freed on December the 7th, 2011. And he says, the day I walked out, my wife, my nephew, and my son was in the car waiting for me. There was a church right around the corner. I would often listen to the bells ringing when I was in jail. I didn't even know where the church really was, but I would pray when I would hear the bells. It was my only opportunity to pray. At the same time, on the outside, I was praying. When I got out, that was one of the first things I wanted to do, just go around and pray in that church. I went in. I thank God for my release. Going into that church, I was like being born again, being free. You know, I used to think I'm a type A personality. I used to think, well, the best feeling in the world is a feeling of accomplishment. But you know, there's something even better than that is being forgiven, being set free. So let's talk about how do we know we have been set free by Christ? Well, Paul gives it to us in Galatians chapter 5. Number one is our faith is expressed in love. This is gracious love. Galatians 5, 5 and 6 says, But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important 
is faith expressing itself in love. Now, there are at least three reasons why this gratitude, it can be sometimes off. First, true gratitude is indeed a sense of joyful indebtedness. But as soon as this delight in another person's generosity turns into a feeling that we must pay something back, what once was a free gift starts to become a business transaction. You see, genuine gratitude is not the feeling of having to pay back. And this is what Paul was dealing with with the Galatian believers, and maybe you're experiencing this in your life personally. You're saying, okay, I was saved by faith alone in Christ alone, but now I feel like I got to pay him back, like I owe him something. Now, listen, it's a debt of love, but we can never pay it back. We are incapable of paying it back. The second reason this gratitude can be wrong is because it can diminish the work of Christ on the cross. You see, when Christ died for our sins to repair that injury that we had done to God's honor, our debt was totally covered. Any effort to increase from our account the deposit made by Christ at Calvary is really an insult to the infinite value of what he gave us. Yes, all the good things that come to us sinners now and in eternity must be paid for. But the gospel is that they have already been paid for by somebody else. Therefore, we must never try to relate to God as a debtor trying to pay a debt back, no matter how thankful we may be. We can't pay that debt back. Don't diminish the significance of the cross by trying to pay back for your salvation. Now, there's a third reason why we can have this wrongful gratitude and why it tends to creep into our lives if we battle with the legalism is that God's work for us was only done in the past or so we think. You see, God has done so much for me, now I'm going to do it for him. But this overlooks the fact that God's work for us in the past, present, and in the future, and it is only work for us and it's work that continues on in us. You see, when you think about all that Christ has done for us, grace is such a powerful work of God, which exerts freely from you in your present life. Somebody came up with the acrostics, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That is excellent. But to remember that grace is also God's action for now. It wasn't just what he did back on the cross, but it gives us grace daily. So here's another acronym for the word grace. God rescuing and caring exertion. We see this found in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul says, man, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now, the reason this is so important is that you will burn yourself right out if you think somehow you can repay the grace that God has given you. If you only think it was available when Christ died on the cross, and now you're constantly making yourself work hard so you can pay it back, you're going to burn out because you cannot do that. So that's why Paul says, I worked harder. The problem was not working, but the motivation behind that work, he says, it wasn't really me who was working. It was the grace of God, which was within me. That exertion that Christ had in me. You know, another example is found in in Romans 5.21. Paul says, as sin reigned in death, grace also will reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Christ is constantly working in us. So grace is like this powerful king who exerts his reign in the lives of a Christian, giving you everything that you need to live out the Christian life. 
Well, we know that we have been freed by Christ is because our faith is expressed in gracious love. Not determined work, but gracious love. And number two is that our beliefs are founded in Christ. That is the basis of our beliefs. Galatians 5, 7 through 10 says this, you are running in a race and you are running well, but somebody is trying to hold you back from following the truth. It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who has called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little bit of yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teaching. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Now, I want you to know that creeping into many churches is a mixture. And it's kind of a mixture of God's grace and man's effort. But mark this well. There will come an end of all of this boasting that you have made in your life. The end of all self-reliance. The end of all independence. When you come home to the Father, you come broken and destitute and helpless. And that is good news for the sinners. Unless you have the mindset of a slave who has to prove his own worth to the master, I urge you this broadcast to forsake the way of servitude that prides itself in accomplishments and take up the song of God's grace. Paul sings about that in chapter 6 and verse number 14 of Galatians, and he says, Far be it from me to glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the whole world was crucified to me and I to the world. I know when I think about really a legalistic kind of teaching, so many times we think about a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations. And that's kind of how I was raised. I was raised that if you're a good Christian, you don't drink or smoke or chew or run with the girls who do. And and it was all a bunch of rules. But I see legalism now creeping into church more as like a superstar saint. That, That if you come to Christ... You know, you'll have all these benefits, and, and, and you'll be like me, a rock star, and, and you'll be like me, like the envy of the world, and, and God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and we would call this the prosperity gospel. It's very dangerous. It's I'm coming to Christ for the purpose of gaining prosperity. And they use verses like Christ saying, I have come to give you life and to give you more abundantly, but they change the definition of what that abundant life is. That abundant life is a belief that Christ is the center of my life. That's what gives me abundance. It's not just material blessings. It's in knowing Christ. Now, Paul even put this in a more succinct way to the Philippian believers. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, I count all things to be lost. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, I count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that is derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformable to his death. So we've learned so far today that we are no longer a slave to sin. We are freed in Christ when our faith is expressed in gracious love. Number two, when our beliefs are founded in Christ and in Christ alone. And then number three, our persecution 
is because of Christ. We're going back to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 11 and 12. Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say that I do, why am I still being persecuted? So they were accusing Paul of saying you had to be circumcised in order to be a follower of Christ. He said, I never said that, but I've been accused of that. And he says, if I did preach that, and if that is the will of God, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision will mutilate themselves. Now, now Paul is using some sarcasm uh, here as he gives that statement. And he says, man, I wish they'd go ahead and, and go all the way with this mutilation of the flesh. But Paul is driving home the point. If I'm only telling you what you want to hear, and he's talking to Jews, the Jews are demanding that those who come in as Gentiles be circumcised. We could say the politically correct thing would be for Paul to go ahead and go along to not rock the boat. But he says, I can't do that. He says, I'm going to preach salvation is through Christ alone. I'm going to be persecuted because I'm preaching this message that goes against the worldly wisdom. You see, many churches, I believe, have fallen into this trap of being politically correct as they give their message. Listen, our world doesn't need a politically generated message. The world needs to know that it's all because of Christ. Listen, when you have Christ in your life, I think that your politics will begin to change. When you have Christ in your life, I think that your belief is going to change. But you got to have Christ in the first place. Well, let's look at the fourth way that we know that we have freedom in Christ. We know that we have freedom in Christ because our faith is expressed in gracious love. Our beliefs are founded in Christ. Uh, number three, we learned that our persecution is because of Christ. And then number four, our freedom is used to serve others. This is how Paul put it in verses 13 through 15 in Galatians 5. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up with this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, because of this you are destroying one another. So our freedom is used to serve others. Paul says God hasn't freed you up so that you can satisfy the lust of your nature or the lust of the flesh. God has given us freedom so that we can be a blessing to others. And we're no longer enslaved to sin. And because we're freed up from that, it gives us a whole lot of time to be a blessing to others. Unfortunately, so many people refuse to acknowledge the fact that they have been set free. It reminds me of the inmate who caused a mild drama in a Nigerian high court after a judge acquitted him of all the charges that he had allegedly committed. He refused and he demanded to go back to prison. Instead of the usual jubilation that follows any royal uh, any ruling that would discharge and acquit a person, this inmate headed straight back to the prison. He was intercepted by the prison guard who reminded him he was free to go home. 
To the chagrin of the eyewitnesses, he said he was going nowhere, demanding to be allowed re-entry into the prison. That calm courtroom changed. It was shattered by this prisoner shouting out, we're pleased to be allowed to go back into the prison. As he thrashed about and struggled with several of the prison officials, according to eyewitnesses, it took an effort about six prison officials, court workers, and policemen to get the freed inmate out of the courtroom, off of the premises. Well, listen, when God sets you free, I don't desire to go back to prison. When the Lord sets you free, you are free indeed. When I think about communion, when we gather together, we remember what Christ has done within us. We look in and we realize that Christ has set us free from the internal guilt that we have. We look back and we think about all the sins that we committed in the past and and God has forgiven us of our past sins. and, And then we look around and we think about all that we've done in this present life. And even in this day, we're constantly sinning, but God sets us free. And as we celebrate the Lord's table, we look ahead and say, one day we'll no longer have this this battle with sin, all because of what Christ has done for us. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If I can help you with anything, please give me a call at 757-421-7500. God bless you. I appreciate you. If you'd like to worship with us on Sunday, we're at Hickory Ridge Community Church, 9 o'clock or 1030 on Sunday morning. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.